morning, Africa. Welcome to Daybreak Africa from the Voice of America. I'm Douglas Mpuga in Washington. Today is Wednesday, March 23rd. Here are some stories we are covering this morning. Cameroon blames war between Russia and Ukraine for wheat shortage. The scale is very serious. Uh, I was uh, in Dolo and the Juba River, which is a permanent river and a very big river, one of the biggest in the country, is almost a dry. And this is as a result of lack of adequate rains for almost two years. Somalia faces its most severe drought in over three decades, with more than half of the population in dire need of food and water. One of the big issues that we are trying to address through this report is that there's impunity. Uh, not only do these abductions and these detentions happen, but the people who perform them are not held accountable in any way, shape or form. Human Rights Watch says Uganda's security agencies are responsible for hundreds of forced disappearances and torture among civilians. Those are more right here on Daybreak Africa. Stay tuned. Somalia is facing its most severe drought in over three decades, with more than half of the population in dire need of food and water. The UN said earlier this month that parts of the country could soon plunge into famine. Ahmed Mohamed in Mogadishu filed the following report. Dead livestock, emaciated children, and a constant call for help has become the norm in Somalia as a severe drought ravages the Horn of African nation. The United Nations estimates 7.7 million people, or more than half of the population, are facing severe hunger or starvation this year. Simon Nabwenge is the World Vision Country Director in Somalia. The scale is very serious. Uh, I was uh, in Dolo and the Juba River, which is a permanent river and a very big river, uh, one of the biggest in the country, is almost dry. And this is as a result of lack of adequate rains for almost two years. And in 2019, I, was, I crossed the same Juba River uh, with a traditional canoe, and it was full of water. And so seeing it uh, dry to this extent was uh, very alarming and is an indication that uh, people are really suffering. With more than 3 million people already internally displaced by previous droughts and conflicts, Somalia is now forced to contend with more displacements amid shrinking donor aid to redeem this situation. Now, in terms of the actual numbers, when you look at last month and you look at this month, 3.2 people last month were in need of food assistance. But right now we are talking of 4.3 million. So within a month, 1.1 million uh, people have moved from uh, have moved to food insecurity. So that is how severe the situation is. In Gado region, which borders Kenya, deaths linked to food and water shortages have been reported. As local authorities and aid agencies try to avert the crisis, Ibrahim Gulet Aden is the district commissioner of Elwag district. He says, yes. I have confirmed that five people have died of hunger and thirst in Elwak district. The dead included two children and three adults. He says people and animals are affected by the lack of water. In the past, he says people used donkeys and camels to fetch water. The donkeys and camels 
are now dead because the people, let alone animals, have nothing to eat. With farmers now forced out of their homes, food security in Somalia could get worse. Hassan Ilmi Hassan was a farmer in Kokane on the outskirts of Beledouin town before the drought forced him to give up his livelihood. Now, I have left the countryside as the river dried up, he says. The circumstance forced us to flee the countryside and our farms to seek a different way to survive, as my life previously depended on the farming and the farms have become unproductive. He says, I moved into the city and now I'm a house construction worker. The Somali government recently declared a state of emergency due to the scale of drought, which it says has affected 80% of the population. Since then, the situation has worsened, and the UN this week said 700,000 people had been displaced from their homes. As the drought gets more severe, their fear Somalia could sink into a famine. A deadly famine killed over 250,000 people in 2011 and displaced millions. Concerted efforts by the Somali government and the international community affected a famine in 2017 and similar efforts will be needed this year to stem the tide. Ahmed Mohammed for VON News, Mogadishu. Also more than 21 million people across East Africa are facing severe hunger. According to a report by Oxfam International, millions of people in Ethiopia, Kenya, Somalia and South Sudan are in dire need of relief, food and water. As Morino Jambo reports, more than 3 million Kenyans across 23 arid and semi-arid counties are faced by drought as the country continues to experience a low rainfall. The East African region is experiencing low rainfall during this time of the months of March to May that has been the norm for a long rain season. If the situation continues, millions of people will wallow in poverty and die of hunger as the number of those affected is projected to increase. Executive Director Oxfam International Gabriela Bucha says that organizations fighting hunger in the region keep on adjusting their funding as the condition continues to worsen. In terms of the funding that is being um, asked for by the UN, the appeal is for 136 million sh- uh, Kenyan shillings and at the moment is being revised because the situation keeps being evolving. The Oxfam report indicates that Kenya has suffered a 70% drop in crop production and has declared a national disaster with 3.1 million people in acute hunger now in need of aid. 1.4 million livestock deaths have been recorded with women and children being the most affected. The Deputy Secretary General programs at the Kenya Red Cross Society, Annette Msabeni, said that the current hunger situation may continue for the next few months. Food insecurity and hunger is something that we have to continue to deal with for at least, if we are lucky, until June, July. But we know the reality is that we're not going to be lucky. This will continue for a longer part of the year. Ethiopia is facing its highest level of food insecurity since 2016, 
while in the Somalia region, 3.5 million people are experiencing critical water and food shortage. Head of Partnership and Resource Mobilization of the Kenya Red Cross Society, Swada Ibrahim, said that most of the semi-arid counties in the region do not have enough water to support the population. Water tracking is happening in some counties, but again, still not enough. So we are looking at factors who can support water rehabilitation works to ensure that some of the systems that have been damaged or, you know, overburdened are repaired and able to be restored to, you know, to enhance support of water. Ninety percent of Somalia are in severe drought conditions. The lack of access to safe water, hygiene and sanitation facilities has heightened the risk of waterborne diseases and gender-based violence. 7.7 million people, more than half of the population, need humanitarian assistance. 44% of the children under the age of five are acutely malnourished. In South Sudan, early seasonal rain which caused flooding in the country has led to the displacement of hundreds of thousands of people. Infrastructure demolition is affecting agricultural production and livelihoods. Over 70% of population, nearly 8.3 million people need aid. Regional Director Interim East and Central Africa at Oxfam International, Pavin Ngala, says the governments as well as the international community should step in and avert the situation. At the moment in the country, we have an 80% gap on our ambition and we hope that in, by working with local communities, uh, phil- philanthropists, the government and indeed different donors locally and internationally to be able to bridge this gap. The hunger situation in Kenya has prompted the government to distribute relief foods alongside cash transfers to affected households to quickly mitigate the situation. The climate change in East Africa has fueled hunger and the drought crisis is worsening with a potential for devastating loss of lives. If long rains fail again this season, more than 28 million people across the region are at risk of extreme hunger. Reporting for VOS Daybreak Africa, I am Moreno Giambo in Sacramento, California. Human Rights Watch says Uganda security agencies are responsible for hundreds of forced disappearances and torture among civilians. The Ugandan army describes the report as political with no evidence. Halina Athman reports from Kampala. The report titled, I Only Need Justice, Documents Enforced Disappearances, Arbitrary Arrests, Unlawful Detention, Torture and Other Ill Treatment. Those acts were allegedly committed by the police, army, military intelligence and Uganda's domestic intelligence body, the Internal Security Organization, ISO. The report says most took place in unlawful places of detention during 2018 and 2019 and around the January 2021 general elections. At the end of December 2020, Wakenya Ali, the singing partner of entertainer-turned-lawmaker Bobby Wine, was among the 90 supporters of the National Unity Platform Party that were arrested in Kalangala District, Central Uganda. He was later released on bail in June 2021 after facing trial at a military court martial. Wakenya describes to VOA what transpired when he was in military detention. These guys came out and put us on gunpoint and forced us to undress entirely and then they started doing a body check. They would run their hands all over your body, even in your private parts and, you know, tell you to bend over and spread your legs. That was really humiliating. 
Oriem Nyeko, the Uganda researcher at Human Rights Watch, says although authorities sometimes acknowledge their abuses, they have done little to end them or provide justice to victims and their families. Human Rights Watch notes that even after being released, the torture victims face continuous threats and harassment. One of the big issues that we are trying to address through this report is that there's impunity. Uh, Not only do these abductions and these detentions happen, but the people who perform them are not held accountable in any way, shape or form. According to the report, former detainees described how security officials flouted criminal procedures during arrests. It says in many cases, detainees were held in unauthorized makeshift detention centers, such as safe houses, an island in Lake Victoria, or in an underground room in the parliament building. Uganda Army spokesperson Brigadier General Felix Kulaije, speaking to VOA by phone, says Human Rights Watch did not speak to them before release of the report. He called the report political. The allegations are politics rather than being true. The fact is the EPDF abhors torture. Number two, even when our officers error, we have been very calm on dealing with cases of uh, mistreating civilians. Because it has also come out to our attention that there are some individuals who masquerade as security personnel, kidnap people and ask for ransoms. Samuel Herbert Nsuga, head of the African Center for Treatment and Rehabilitation of Torture Victims, says in the past years it has been registering 1,000 cases of torture annually. He argues that if torture victims are to get justice, the government needs to pass a witness protection law so torture survivors can take the witness stand and testify about their experience. Many survivors of torture have a lot of fear because uh, there are so many examples of those who we have treated and rehabilitated. They would rather go back to their productive life rather than us to pursue justice by having the perpetrators of torture punished through the courts of law. Human Rights Watch recommends that authorities not only investigate abuses but also close unlawful detention centers. Halima Athmani for VA News, Kampala, Uganda. Cameroon's government says Russia's war on Ukraine is responsible for a wheat shortage that has led to a 40% increase in the price of bread. The Central African state is encouraging local substitutes like cassava and yams to replace the wheat usually imported from Russia and Ukraine. Moki Edwin Kinzika reports from Yaoundé. More than 40 consumers are waiting for bread Monday morning at the Lamama Bakery in Mokulu, a neighborhood in Cameroon's capital. Yusufa Dauda sells bread at the bakery. He says within the past two weeks, the bakery has been able to serve less than 200 of its usual 500 daily customers. He says importers informed bakers in the first week of March of a potential shortage of wheat in Cameroonian markets. He says importers told them that countries that supply wheat to Cameroon were at war. Dauda says the price of a 50-kilogram bag of wheat increased from $35 to between $50 and $60, yet the supply is not regular. Cameroon says 13 million of its 26 million citizens who consume bread daily no longer have a regular supply. Cameroon's Minister of Trade, Luke Magwambarga Atangana, presided over a meeting with bakery owners and wheat importers on Monday. Atangana says 
the meeting was meant to educate consumers associations that the shortage of wheat is a result of the war in Ukraine. Quelqu'un qui viendra dire que cette crise n'aura pas d'impact, ce qui ne dit pas. Atangana says anyone who is informed and is honest will not disagree that the war between Russia and Ukraine is having disastrous consequences on the economies all over the world. He says the war has deprived Cameroon of about 60% of wheat imported from both Ukraine and Russia and consumed in the Central African state. He says the government is very worried because the absence of wheat can cause a social crisis in Cameroon. The meeting preceded two others convened by Prime Minister Joseph John Gute. Atangana said Ngute asked the ministers in charge of agriculture and trade to find alternatives to wheat imports. Cameroon produces less than one-fourth of the 1.6 million tons of wheat it needs each year. Last year, it imported more than 850,000 tons from Russia and Ukraine. The law Magellan Kamsi Kamgang is the president of Cameroon's Consumers League an assembly of several dozen consumer organizations. He says Cameroonians should learn to consume bread made without wheat imported from Ukraine and Russia. He says local substitutes, including tubers like cassava, yams and potato, can replace imported wheat. Kamgen says it is imperative for the government to provide funding and tractors to farmers to increase tuber production and spare Cameroon from a looming social crisis. Other countries in Africa and the Middle East are also facing wheat shortages due to the war in Ukraine. On Monday, the head UN International Fund for Agricultural Development, Gilbert Hongbo, warned the situation could cause an escalation of hunger and poverty with dire implications for global stability, Moki Edwin Kinzaka, for VOA News, Yaoundé, Cameroon. Weeks of scarce fuel coupled with a failing national electricity grid is hurting countless small businesses across Nigeria. Some businesses have temporarily shut down, while others reduced hours to cope with the energy shortage. Timotha Biezu reports from Abuja. In January, Tochikua had to start a tailoring business to supplement her laundry business and make some extra cash. But barely three weeks after she set up, the business was almost grounded by the electricity issues affecting millions of Nigerians. Without power, there's no way to run a sewing machine. It's just impossible to work. And then as a new mom, it's just everything is just impossible. I mean, starting my tailoring business in January was a major leap for me. And then we're struck with the full scarcity and then no power supply. The electricity supply was interrupted some two weeks ago when the national power grid malfunctioned due to glitches in the operating system. Ohatu says she barely has one hour of electricity a day and it's affecting her productivity and income. Authorities blamed the fuel scarcity on the recall in January of about 170 million liters of tainted fuel imported from Europe. In February, the government announced it has released 1 billion liters of fuel from the National Reserve to normalize distribution. 
but amid a worldwide rise in oil and gas prices, the situation has dragged on and is affecting the overall economy. This week, Nigeria's Statistics Bureau said the country's annual inflation rate has increased to 15.7%. Abuja resident and driver Mohamed Enesi says business has been slow. It's been a tussle. It's almost becoming a new normal. Because we're so resilient, we feel we can adapt. Nigeria is Africa's biggest oil producer but struggles to meet its energy needs. Only about 47% of Nigerians have access to electricity when it's available, according to World Bank estimates. Nigerian authorities in 2020 signed an electricity deal with German counterparts to improve the supply. But analysts say the energy shortage is impacting citizens negatively. Somehow we've not been able to get that dynamics right. I think, to be very fair and honest, in the last couple of years, we have not witnessed this false scarcity that we're seeing now. The initial explanation that they give to us, I don't think it holds water anymore. It's putting a lot of pressure on people. This week, Nigeria's President Mohamed Buhari promised citizens that the fuel and electricity issues will soon be over. But until the situation improves, millions of people and businesses will continue to suffer. Timothy Yobiezu for VOA News, Abuja, Nigeria. Senegal's army has launched a new offensive aimed at dismantling a separatist rebel group in the country's southern region, causing more than 2,000 people to flee. The military's operation comes less than two months after rebels killed four Senegalese soldiers and captured seven others. Anika Hamashlak reports from Dhaka, Senegal. The Senegalese army began its offensive on March 13th with the aim of dismantling rebel group bases along the Gambian border. The rebels, known as the MFDC, or the Movement of Democratic Forces of Casamance, are suspected of trafficking cannabis in Rosewood, which is exported to China, in order to fund their separatist movement. As of Tuesday, the latest flare-up had left more than 2,000 people displaced. Alassane Senghor is the Secretary General of the Gambia Red Cross Society. He says the latest episode of fighting is one of the worst he's ever seen. People are abandoning their villages to cross into the Gambia from Casamance, and he says those living along the border are moving further into Gambia to seek safety. There is fear and panic because fighting happens most of the time. There's firing of gunshots and also helicopters flying overhead. The conflict is one of the oldest in Africa. It began in 1982 and has since claimed thousands of lives. The region in southern Senegal is distinct from the rest of the country. Geographically, it's separated from northern Senegal by the Gambia. Historically, it was a Portuguese colony, while the rest of Senegal was colonized by the French. The region also has different religious, ethnic, and linguistic traditions. Dambe leads several civil society organizations in Casamance. He says the region has been relatively stable and peaceful since 2013, but now the situation is dire. He adds people are fleeing with their children in tow, taking nearly nothing with them. Bai says he and his colleagues say the solution is an open dialogue because the results they achieved from 2013 to present happened because they agreed to lay down their arms and talk. That's the only thing that could bring peace to Casamance, he says, because they've suffered too much from this conflict. Senegalese President Macky Sall had made achieving peace in Casamance a priority for his second term in office. 
Annika Hammerschlag for VOA News, Dakar, Senegal. And that's it for this edition of Daybreak Africa. We thank you for spending this morning with us. For more African news and features, visit our website at vanews.com. Connect with us on all social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram. I'm Douglas Simpuga in Washington, wishing you a wonderful day. Hello, I'm Carol Castiel. Coming up, a conversation with Lauren Speranza, an analyst at the Center for European Policy Analysis. She will analyze the results of meetings among NATO and G7 allies in Brussels and their efforts to widen sanctions and coordinate defensive and humanitarian activities to thwart Russia's unprovoked aggression in Ukraine. That's Press Conference USA this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. VOA brings you the best in African music on the African beat. African beat showcases the latest and the greatest of contemporary African music, from bubu music to hip life, bonga flavor to sukus, Afrobeat to Dumbolo and makosa to kwaito. The African beat on VOA has it all. And it's happening right here, Mondays through Fridays at 0905 and 2005 UTC, right after the international news. 